This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Mindfield podcast from Anfield Index Pro. As always, I'm your host, Alan O'Donoghue, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Dr. Andrew Vincent. Andrew, how's all in the United States of America these days? The United States of America, I... I don't know, man. Let's not even talk about it. Let's talk, let's, let's talk about how's it. How's all in your life right now? Everything, everything in my life is uh, is just fine. Yeah, it's good actually. We're we're doing good. We're cruising along. Um, how about how about for you? I'm I'm cruising yeah. along too. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's a bit up and down. But Andrew, uh, I'm going to take this moment to get a free plug in and hope that producer guy doesn't take it out. Um, but I have a new uh, book coming out. It's a, a workbook for teenagers on how they can manage anxiety for themselves. Absolutely lovely. Where can people find the book, Al? <laughs> well, very soon, Andrew. And this genuinely isn't rehearsed. Um, yeah. It will be available, hopefully, the start of December on Amazon and all good bookshops. And if you can't find it in your local bookshop, they're not a good bookshop. So don't use them. <laughs> Love it. Um, I know Al's worked super hard on this book. We can stop the plug. I can tell actually Al is visibly uncomfortable at this point, but super exciting. I know he's worked really hard on it. Glad you decided to plug it. You don't always plug a lot of your stuff and Al has a lot that he does. So good for you, Al. Thank you very much, Andrew, for giving me that 
free airspace and we'll send our draft You've up. You've been giving me free airspace for like six years, or seven years, <laughs> however long we've been doing this now. We were just talking about how I've never had to lift a finger to edit or figure out anything logistically, just the guest who never left. As I said to Andrew before we started, Andrew's the eye candy of this podcast, which is great. <laughs> so you can't see it. Um, yep. He's a very easy handsome job. man. Listeners, he's a it's very an easy, handsome man. It's an easy job. It's an easy job. But Andrew, enough about you and I and our lives. We're going to talk a bit about Liverpool. And it's been a while since we were in the hot seat. And that's been yeah. down to bloody time changes and work getting in the way for both of us and life kind yeah. of throwing loops sometimes and that's just the way it is so we're delighted to get back into the hot seat and we were throwing around some ideas of where we can take this podcast as we move into 2024 and we've got some really good ideas which you know we hope you guys will will enjoy and will bear fruit but today we wanted to have a bit of a recap on the season so far because it has been a while since we chatted and but not just a recap on the stats or recap on the fact that we're heading into the international break in second position, one point behind Man City. But I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We want to talk about the culture right Mm. now and the flow that the squad apparently seems to be getting into and then break that down into some of the individual players and how they're getting into individual flow states and how maybe some of the challenges that they've faced so far this season haven't derailed them maybe like they would have done in the past. So that's a lot of kind of stuff there, Andrew. But let's kick it off with what are you seeing in terms of the bedding in of the new players and how the culture of LFC is right now and how different that might be to previous years? Seems like it happened fast. I think that's the biggest thing is like there's a a refresh uh, in terms of personnel, obviously, especially in the midfield. And like I think at the beginning of the season, like we had had a conversation about what to expect. And I'd said something along the lines of, I just think this is going to be a fun season. Like we've got a lot of new, exciting players. It's going to be probably kind of a roller coaster in terms of ups and downs. And um, it's been a lot more ups than downs so far. You know, like I'm um, obviously like our form over the last week and a half maybe hasn't been great with Toulouse and Luton, but like at the same time, um, you know, like a lot more ups than downs and things feel surprisingly settled for a club that's had so much change. And I feel like that's been the case since the end of September. Yeah. I think for me, when I evaluate it, I see that definitely the new players seem to have bedded in relatively quickly for the most part, which is, Fantastic. And I I think we can't discount how challenging that can be to come into a squad. And it doesn't matter how good of a player you are, you still have to get on with your teammates. You still have to understand your teammates and relate to them and find that way of communicating as you start to make new friends in a brand new place. And that all plays into the 
into coming into a new club. Now, maybe for a lot of these players, the safest place for them is the football pitch because it's what they know, but they still have to understand the hierarchy and, you know, their mm-hmm. place in it. So it seems to have, that side of things seems to have flowed so much easier than maybe a lot of us would have expected. I do mm-hmm. think we have been, I won't say lucky. I think getting results has maybe covered over some of the that betting in period because I don't think we've played um, wonderful football in every single match. I think we've kind of ground things out quite a bit, which again I'm delighted with. I'm not. <laughs> I'm certainly not complaining, but there has been a grind that we've had to go through and it hasn't been easy. And we can point the finger at VAR and we can point the finger at officials and all that kind of stuff. And that, well, that's a contributing factor. I do think there is that bedding in phase that we probably expected to not get the results that we've got so far, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, I was actually, I was watching a team, a hockey team that I worked with the other night and thinking about Liverpool because it's like they're in this stage right now where it's like they've got some good players. There's a group coming together now, but it reminds me of those Liverpool teams that would work so hard, do so much right, and then the other team would score on their one opportunity and we'd tie 1-1, or the other team would score their two opportunities and would lose 2-1. And it was like you could see how hard the team was working to make this thing happen you could see what was coming together. You would even say most of the time that like, okay, we outplayed them, but just in terms of the, these chances, like we had to work so hard to create and score the chances and other teams were just like popping them in. And it was like, oh, shoot. And I think that's a stage that we've managed to avoid so far um, just in terms of the development of the group. And I think that that bodes really well because like often it's the later, it's a more developed group that can find ways to win. Right. And um, I think in this case, especially, we had some of those games where we were down to 10 that built a lot of belief and probably just said a lot about, showed a lot, learned a lot about how do you win games and how do you put games away. And so, you know, not that we've been 100% perfect in that, but there's a stage that we've skipped there, I agree. And I I think um, this team will continue to improve its process. But it's nice while that process is still maybe a little 50-50 to know that it's a group that knows how to win. Yeah. And I think that also plays into the opposition because given the amount of late goals that we've scored and our ability to score goals, they're coming to play against us, whether it's home or away, and they can't switch off. And we've repeatedly scored late goals. And I think we have to acknowledge that as being a strength of ours. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your experience of that in the real world environment, working with a team. Like, do you find that teams do think about, oh no, we've got this team coming up and uh, they're just relentless. They, they just don't stop. You know, they keep going to the end and we've got to stay about our wits and that kind of thing. Or has, is that not something you've experienced too much? You know, I, I think probably it's more the case in a league like with the Premier League where all like the visibility is so great. So it's like you've got 20 teams. They know each other really well. They know 
what the results have been. Like it's a really, you know, I work, the hockey teams I work with primarily are college hockey. So the, the teams know each other and have scouting reports on each other, but there's something like 60 teams across the league. So um, not like, like all of NCAA hockey, right. Has that many. And then, you know, maybe within your league, you still have 12 um, or whatever. So it's like, you might not have as in depth of a recognition of, Oh, here's what this team has done in their last five games or have watched those last five games or have seen them do that or have seen replays or whatever. So like on the mental side, I don't know if there would be that same fear of like, Oh, this group is relentless. Um, but certainly there's certain games that teams are going to know like, Oh man, like this team is tough to play against or plays a style that's really relentless and hard to play against. And I'm not looking forward to that. Or this is a building where I'm not looking forward to going or it's really loud or it's loud. And I am looking forward to going there. Or, um, you know, this team has lost their last five. This might be an easy win for us or like we should be able to beat them. So like certainly those things are going to float around um, without a doubt. Um, I don't know if that, they can score right up until the end. I think the, you might feel it, right? Like when you're playing of like, man, we're not going to be able to just like put this team away and put them down. Mm. Okay. And I think we're starting to see really good connections within our front players. Our midfield seems to be flowing a lot better as well. Even with Alexis McAllister playing out of position, so to speak. Um, Talk to me a bit about what you're seeing, especially with Darwin Nunes and the the difference that we're seeing in him relative to last season. I think he looks... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Like his self-assurance is less shakable. Um, you know, like he looks like he's got a confidence in himself to do the certain things he's supposed to be doing really well. So it's like, you know, he's a player who everything he does, he sort of does hard anyways. But I think especially with his pressing this year and like link up play and some of these things and like Brentford, you know, like he was really good against Brentford whole, whole game, different ways that he played in the game. Um, and just being able to execute that he's still got his misses for big opportunities, but also like he doesn't look, you know, he, he has his Darwin-y reactions to that, which is still sort of fun to watch, but like he doesn't look shaken by it in the same way. Like he looks like someone who knows he can get the next one, will get the next one. Like he just knows what he has to be, what he has to do, when he has to do it. I think that assurance is is really noticeable. Um, and that that can make a huge difference, you know, especially for a striker. And so call, call it confidence, call it momentum, call it whatever you want. But like, um, you know, I think that's 
a really good thing to see. He looks like he knows who he is and what's expected of him and what he can do. And when those things come together, that's, you know, that's where things happen. And what do you think might be some of the contributing factors to see in seeing that progression within a player? So not specifically Darwin, because we don't know, but again, from your experience, what are some of the the elements that feed into that building of confidence and self-assuredness? I think normally I see that kind of thing come together when the player has a clear identity and they know what they're good at. When the coaches usually know that identity well and put them in positions to do those things, you know, and are reinforcing those things. Um, Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. When things are kept simple, and that doesn't necessarily mean a simple, simplified or minimized role, but it just means that, like, the difference between maybe last year where he was memorizing a whole pressing structure and having to figure out how to press and this year where he's got a lot of that in the back of his head and he can just do it right. Like it's um, that's a simplified role, even if it's the same role, like it's simplified because it's internalized. So like, that's a big part of it too. Like the less you have to think about um, that's a big thing. And then when it's working and that's maybe one of the biggest things is so like, if you think about Mo he had a large stretch of time where being able to cut into onto his left foot and score that way um, was like almost automatic. Right. And like, you knew he could do it. He knew he could do it. The other team knew he was going to do it, but they couldn't really stop him like that allows him to focus on doing that one thing or doing that one thing and another thing. And then we saw him maybe have a little bit of a difficult finishing patch. Like there was a stretch of time where rather than just trying to bend that far post, like he was trying to trick the goalie and come near posts because some goalies were kind of cheating to the far post and, or like he was trying to do one extra thing before he shot to try to get the finish. And like, that's a, a simplified simplification thing too, right? Is like, if experience is telling you, I can focus on doing this one thing that's going to work versus, okay, what, like, I've got to add something extra here to make it work. That's going to be a big difference in terms of the execution side and how things come out on the execution side. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I would echo what what you're saying by the looks of things in Darwin. It it seems like he's settled. And I think some of those misses he's had this season, if they were last season, it's it's a very different outcome in the longer stretch than there has been and he just looks so he's got so much self-belief and i think he's getting more trust Mm -hmm. and those things go together you know and so i think that can make such a huge difference i should have mentioned it before is like when a player feels like any mistake they make is going to put them on the bench they're much more worried about making mistakes but once a player has some leash where they can kind of like have some space to make a mistake or two or miss one of those chances or whatever and like know that they still get another chance at it um that creates a much more fertile ground for the kind of confidence and self-belief that we're seeing in darwin 
long may it continue. And I'd love to mm. get your thoughts on the, I can't imagine the stress that it caused, but Luis Diaz and his dad and family, his mum being taken ca- captive. Does does outside events like that, which are so, like, they just don't happen generally, with, thankfully, can they have a galvanizing impact on a team or do you think it's it's so extreme that it probably doesn't have much of an impact bar barring you know the 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 guys being friends and kind of supporting him in a friends role rather than in a sporting context um you know probably a little bit of both like um, certainly you see teams where a member of that team has experienced a tragedy or is going through something really hard. The group will kind of have this idea of like, okay, let's do it for Luis or do it for, you know. And so we saw that happen, right? Where Joe, I think it was Jota, right? Went and got the mm-hmm. shirt and held it up. And um, yeah, like those moments can definitely bring a team together. Of Like, let's do it for him. Like, I, I think in terms of, that individual of course i think like that person and like what diaz then has to go through and like it's just terrible and i'm sure it's just terrible right and like i don't know just at that time rightfully so the most important thing for him wasn't football Mm -hmm. like that and so i i think probably the team around sometimes you're going to have teams that come together in a way that feels really genuine and like that sometimes you might not i think sometimes it certainly could become kind of a galvanizing force i'm also sure that every single foot, football player in the world to some extent had this reaction of like, Oh God, is my family? Okay. Are we safe? Right. And like, you see this all the time where footballers, their houses get robbed or their family gets held up or, you know, there's all sorts of like different pieces. And I think that's just so scary and overwhelming. Right. And like, we don't often think about how the extent to which the the fame and notoriety and money can make you a target and make your family a target. And that's probably disruptive to everyone, right? Like whenever there's something like that, I'm sure the whole team sort of has this moment of just like, is my family okay? Are my parents okay? Are my kids okay? Like, where are they? Like, I, I'm sure that's all really hard for everybody. And so, um, you know, that part is probably unsettling, but then it also definitely can be a a uniting force. And thankfully in this case, like it seems like everyone's back and, um, you know, returned to where they were, who knows like how okay they are, but, um, you know, that's good. And he gets to go home for a national break and see everybody. And I just cannot imagine going through that. No, no, it's, it's great that there's been a, a positive outcome from a very traumatic experience for everyone involved. And moving on to kind of, I suppose, more trivial, in inverted commas, <laughs> uh, discussion. Something that I've been kind of watching closely, uh, and maybe it's just I'm uh, tuning into the algorithm a bit on social media, but Trent and Dom Sabozlai. Mm. And there's many, many videos coming out of them, you know, kicking balls together, looking pretty cool and the whole lot. But I'm I'm wondering, right? And again, maybe this is just the old conspiracy theory Al kind of thing. But I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. 
I'm wondering, is a bit of this. I think they probably started off pretty, you know, friendly and Trent's vice captain, and he's going to help people get in the door and settle in. But now we're starting to see Dom taking more corners. And I'm interested to see, you know, does Dom start to take more free kicks? Hope and so. we'll see, there you go. Hope so. And I wonder what impact could that have on Trent? And, you know, some of those videos could be construed as, you know, let's get our balls out and measure them and see which one's bigger, you know, because <laughs> I'm the big dog here. I'm the vice captain. And Dom Sabotla is coming in going, um, yes, you are the vice captain. But guess what? I have a fine set on me too. And uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out because there's a lot of talk as well within the fan base around, you know, should Dom be given an opportunity on the free kicks, which, you know, has been the, it's been Trent's role. Like he is the right footed free taker, corner taker. Um, and it it's not going as well from in terms of assists this year or goals. So there might be a shift and could that have a detrimental impact? Or would you be hopeful that Trent has the maturity to be able to go, well, do you know what? At the moment, you are doing better and I need to work on myself to improve my delivery. You know, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be his decision to make at all. You know, like it's going to be Klopp's decision to make and the training staff's decision to make. So like, hopefully, if Trent is told... Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're off these for a bit. That that is something he can handle in a mature way. You know, you you just never know. Like different people respond to that really differently, and it feels different at different points of your career. And I mean, look, like would that be disappointing for him? Sure. Would it be embarrassing for him? Sure. Does he really like taking corners and free kicks? Like I have no idea. Probably different players are different about that with how much it really matters to them. So you know, if that's something that matters to him a lot, or he just feels like he can do better than Subazali anyway, like that can be a point of frustration is like, um, I think often if the team is doing well and winning, then that stuff kind of melts to the background. It's only if the team starts to hit a period of struggle where like all of a sudden, if it's now one or the other of them was missing a bunch of free kicks and the corner delivery is bad and whatever that, um, 
you know, that becomes a little bit more problematic or frustrating because then the person who's not taking them is like, see, we're losing. I could be doing this. We could be doing better. Um, so is it something that I am as dialed into as you? I will have to say, no, I'm not quite as dialed in, but, um, you know, it's worth watching because it is one of those things that can kind of have, it affects people and affects how people are thinking. And it just, some people care about that stuff so much more than others. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Like there's some players who I've talked to who in hockey, it's normally like power play, penalty kill, special teams sort of things where it's, some people are like, yeah, whatever, you know, like I, I want that spot, but like, you know, they just have to move things around. Some people it's like the only thing they think about. Right. And if like, they're not getting all of the opportunities, then they're like, well, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? How do I get those opportunities back? And that's the latter is obviously a situation where I, some intervention is required. Yeah. What would be those types of intervention that you would use? The, I mean, the focus there typically like depending on the response, right? Like I, I think sometimes if for lack of a better word, someone's being kind of a brat about it, my job is to give a little bit of a wake up call and just sort of say like, Hey, like you had something taken away from you, but like, this isn't the way to respond, right? Like, is no, I would probably ask that more gently and just sort of be like, say. is this really how you want to respond? You know, like, and just sort of say, here, here's what I'm seeing is that like, you didn't get the thing you wanted. You're not on first power play. You're not playing with the person who you want, or you're not being given this opportunity. And now you are angry and sulking or whatever. Like if that's the case, and it's not often the case, to be honest, like, um, you know, just pointing that out and saying, here's what I'm seeing. Very often players are like, oh yeah, that's true. Like, that's really not how I want to be. Like, yeah, I got to think about that. Um, I think the other thing that normally I'm doing a lot more of is like, you don't make those decisions. And often coaches aren't making those decisions the same way you think. And so sometimes the way that players' minds work is, um, you know, you get in this habit and when you're a kid, you're basically told, like, if your playing time isn't what you want, if you're not getting the opportunities you want, then the thing to do is to go to the coach. The coach will tell you what to fix. You fix that thing and then you get back there, right? And especially at lower levels where maybe the skill gap is kind of different or like, you know, there's one or two people on the team who can really differentiate themselves. You know, those are the people who are going to move up. And so those are the people who, when they talked to the coach and the coach said, do this, they figured it out and then they were the best at it. And then the coach put them back in the higher levels you get to the less it's the case that it's that simple Mm. or that the decisions being made are that simple, right? Like you're talking about, um, there might be a difference not in like the accuracy or how good the delivery of corners is, but it might just be the technique that they use that Trent's is different from Dom's. It might be how the, whatever, like there might be a hundred different reasons like, Oh, well let's put Trent at the end of the edge of the box or let's put Dom at the edge of the box. Right. We want them in this place instead where just the reason the coach is making the decision doesn't actually have as much to do with your skill level at a certain thing. And so the issue that I see play out really frequently is um, how players have internalized that shift in playing time or opportunity. They always almost see it as, well, I must be doing something wrong or I must be doing something not as well. And they get into this cycle of, well, what do I need to fix? What do I need to fix? What do I need to fix? Which usually isn't a good 
cycle. The more you're trying to fix, the more you're thinking about things, the more you're trying things new, the more you're changing your identity, which means the less automatic you're going to be, the less in flow you're going to be. It can get kind of unnecessarily choppy really quickly. And so in that case, like for me, it's really about helping them recognize how their assumptions and how their narratives about that situation work, helping them recognize that they use playing time and opportunity as a tool to evaluate their own play, which is a terrible tool for evaluating your own play. Um, and so helping them refocus on what are the two or three things that you want to evaluate your play on? You know, how do you want to be making decisions about what's going well and what's not going well? Obviously, if there's something to improve, like go ahead and improve it. And, you know, we could even talk about how to use deliberate practice and like different strategies to find a good way to work on certain parts of things or break something down so you can understand where do you want to grow in a certain area. But um, yeah, like the biggest thing is just decoupling that playing time and performance aspect is like those things are not a one-to-one ratio. And the more you move up levels, the less those are a one-to-one ratio. There are just going to be decisions made all the time that have nothing to do with you and how you're playing and how things are going and a lot to do with just how coaches are making decisions and what they're seeing. And so like all you can do is keep improving and keep getting better um, and give the coaches a hard decision to make. And would you have the experience of having coaches coming to you and saying, look, I know you're working with X player and uh, I know they've been, you know, this challenging situation has arisen because of my decisions as coach. Um, You know, can you let them know that it's, or can you bring into discussion that it's nothing to do with their ability? Um, so almost making you like a de facto coach, which, okay, look, we, we know ethically that's not okay. Um, <laughs> here's, here's what I would say is that like um, the coaches who I work closely with understand my boundaries around things really well. Mm-hmm. And I like I, the system that I set up with them is that if they have something that they want me to address with the player, they can bring that to me. And I will very specifically say to the player, coach wanted me to address this with you. What are your thoughts on it, reactions to it? What's your side of the story? Is it something you want to talk with me about at all? It doesn't have to be. But here's why coach thought it might be a good idea for us to talk. Um, Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coaches don't, like I haven't had coaches come to me and be like, hey, can you smooth over the decision that I made? And help kind of smooth that out. I think by and large, the coaches who I've worked with, they, they feel comfortable with their capacity to do it. Or to be honest with you, like they don't care that much. Like if this person's going to be angry, then like that person's going to act like a baby and the coach is like, whatever, I don't have time for that. So like if this person's going to handle it badly, they might benefit from talking to you, but I don't need you to smooth it over with them. Like that's, 
it's on them to decide if they want to work through this or not. Like, but, um, that's often more of what I get, um, is like, yeah, this person's not reacting well to this. Probably they're upset about it. I'm telling you so that you know, I don't care if you address it with them or not, but if they come to you, this might be something you hear. Um, and every once in a while, there's like a coach will be like, Hey, like I'm noticing this thing about this person mentally, like, could you follow up with them? And then it's usually sometimes players are like, yeah, I know what the coach is talking about, but like, I don't really want to work with you on it. Sometimes people are like, um, Oh, I didn't realize anyone thought that way. Like what, you know, can you help me understand it and we can work on it sometimes like, you know, everything in between those, I guess. So, um, but yeah, that's, it sort of happens to answer your question more directly. Like it sort of happens and it's a matter of like, figuring out an ethical way to do all of the things mm. being asked. Yeah. And I suppose for the listeners will probably know that I work a lot with teenagers. So I would, the equivalent I would have is parents coming to me and saying, mm-hmm. look, this is going on. And literally exactly what you said, I will always say to the parents, look, I'm not going to keep secrets. So if you're going to come and tell me something, I'm going to relay to the child that you or the teenager that you've said this to me. And because I'm not going into a session knowing a piece of information that the child doesn't know that I know. Right. Because that it it impacts on the relationship and the trust. And that is essential for the work that we do, that you have that trust and that sense of safety for the the client that you're working with, be it a sports person or a teenager or whoever. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you answered the way you answered. <laughs> it shows how ethical you are, which is good. Um, but, I, you know, I suppose one of the, th- the things that you brought up there was about, you know, the different, the higher up the, the levels you go and um, how elements start to shrink down and there isn't as much room. And I, I'm, I wonder like, or I have wondered in the past about, top-level coaches in any sport, how much space and room they have to actually acknowledge and notice what's occurring for individual players. Because I can imagine the levels of pressure and stress are just like, I, I just don't have time to to worry about, you know, my left fullback being pissed off because he's not playing much. We got to win a game. And I got to make the best decision. And that's just the way it is. And he needs to sort, sort his own shit out. <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. as you come down the levels, there's probably more space for, for that them to notice that. But the other thing is, and I think it's a, a tipping point or a balancing act, is grassroots level coaches acting like elite level coaches, where the pressure is technically not the same because you're not operating at an elite, elite level. And I think in my experience of going through coaching processes for sport and stuff like that, um, that, that the individual understanding and seeing the individual in front of you, who's a child, I think is uh, sometimes given as piecemeal. You know, it's, you know, be nice and be respectful to the child, you know, and, and don't be aggressive with them and, and, and respect them. But for me, and it's just me, I'm not talking for anybody else here. I see a massive gap in a number of different sports where coaches at that junior level try to emulate 
for success, the elite level coaches, and they miss that they're dealing with children who aren't grown up adults, who aren't fully developed and who you may put off a sport for life if you don't take cognizance of their 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 mental well-being as when they're with you in the structures that you've created. Mm. Is that your experience? Have you had something totally different? Um, no, I think that that's my experience too. Like I, I wonder too sometimes if... Um... I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. At the grassroots youth sport levels, it's not, there might be a, a feature of coaches trying to emulate sort of these like higher level coaches and what they're seeing or what they imagine. I think the other thing is there's just a huge misunderstanding of the role of criticism in coaching and how effective and important it is as compared to positive reinforcement and relationship building. And I think the less experience you get to with a coach, the more they think their job is to fix every mistake. And the more they think that their job is to criticize and make sure their players are their own biggest critics and say, don't get complacent. And I think that narrative plays out in the context of sport all the time and is honestly like the number one thing that I'm working with players to fix. Mm -hmm. Um, Young players emulate that, right? And so in their head, like if they have coaches or parents who pick up on every mistake berate about that mistake, like, um, you know, have this kind of no mistakes policy, don't really focus on relationship building, then your internal, the way you relate to yourself is similar, right? Like you don't focus on the things you're doing well, which immediately eliminates confidence um, and undermines confidence. You don't focus on the relationship with yourself and having compassion and understanding in the relationship with yourself. So the criticism gets harsher, um, which erodes not even just confidence at that point, but it erodes self-worth. It's not just like, hey, I'm making these mistakes and I don't know if I'm good at soccer. It's like, hey, like if you can't do this the right way, then you feel not worthwhile as a person, which by the way is how young people feel when adult figures in sport um, berate them and bring them down and don't focus on the relationship part of things, right? It makes it seem like if you're not performing as an athlete or if you're making mistakes, then you're not worthwhile as a person. That's how that gets internalized. And so those two things become, of course, really terrible. 
right? And so I think often that's not it's not a conscious decision by those coaches to be like, I'm going to be hard nosed or I'm going to be this. It's just sort of what, what they feel like is important or what they feel like they're supposed to be doing or what they've seen, like you said, um, what they feel like they've seen, what the sort of prevailing wisdom is about the mental side of sport is that it's all about toughness. And I think sport, because historically it focuses so much more on, toughness and emphasizing toughness as compared to other traits, like as opposed to emphasizing relationship as to emphasizing confidence or self-worth or like being positive. There's so much focus on the importance of um, discipline and strictness and toughness and criticism um, that that's just kind of what they pick up on and, and really hone in on much to the detriment of their players. I think at higher levels, I have a lot less experience with um, coaches at higher levels, like the highest level athletes I work with, I work with separate from teams. So I haven't worked with like, you know, top, top professional teams where I would be interacting with coaches at that, that level very regularly. Um, I think though, you know, from the athletes who I've worked with, who are at those levels. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. There is like there sometimes there's space for those relationships, right? And like, definitely there's times where the coaches are going to be like, Hey, I've noticed this. Like, you know, I, a coach who came talked to someone who I work with and said, like, started the season been bumpy for you, but want you to know that you're playing great. And we see that, and this is going to go your way and just wanted you to keep your head up. Right. Like, so they see that and they will do things like that. Certainly from time to time. Um, the flip side of that is not always communication isn't always great. But the other thing is, um, just the decision-making itself isn't always for the reasons you think. Like sometimes someone's getting playing time in a certain way because of what their contract is. Mm. You know, sometimes someone is getting a certain amount of playing time because they're younger or they're a draft pick or they're this or they're that. And all of a sudden, like, it's just like that person's going to get more opportunity than someone else, even if you're playing better. Um, you know, and it's not talking about the guys who are like in this case guys, but, um, the people who are making the highest salaries because like they're usually just the way the world works for them in sport is really different. It's the people who are fighting to break into the team or get that first contract or the person on the one year who's working for the second year or the person who, um, you know, is trying to establish themselves or is in a lower tier and is trying to get an opportunity in an upper tier. Like that world is such a grind and there's so many factors that play into playing time decisions that have nothing to do with, who's the best person for this spot, especially in American sports where you have a system of farm teams and um, main teams. And that's actually one of my biggest things about, I hate the multi-club model Mm. and I really would love for it to stop. I think the idea of Premier League or La Liga clubs or top tier teams having feeder clubs where they can go and send people to develop. I've watched this happen in American sport. I've seen how it's affected the people who play at these sort of lower level clubs. And what you see is it becomes impossible. You know, we send a player to 
somewhere, right? I think Nice has been one that's been talked about as like a place, even though they're doing great. So they wouldn't be lower tier for anyone. But like you send a player there and now there's some person who's contracted to Nice and um, they're not getting the time they want. And then there's this player who they have from us who they have to play in front of that person, even though they're not performing the same way. Um, And that can get away from people really quickly and um, is super frustrating. So that's, we can talk more about the multi-club model at another time, but I think it just like, it's not something that's good. Yeah. Which wasn't your question. No, but but it's definitely something that we need to talk about um, as a potential avenue for LFC and my local team, Drody and I have just been taken over by American owners who also own Walsall, I think. And it's a big concern that our best young players will be heading to Walsall, you know, for next to nothing. So it's definitely something we'll come back to. Andrew, thank you so much for your contribution today. It's been great to get back into it. it. And as we always say, hopefully we'll get more in. (laughs) But listeners, thanks for giving us your ears. We will speak to you all very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.